Welcome to HopeNet Radio, connecting generations to save lives from destructive lifestyles and suicide. Suicide was definitely something that was on my mind a lot. I wanted the pain of life to just stop. My dad is kind of verbally abusive, and he's also a workaholic. When I was hanging around with a bad group, I got raped. I was angry with God for the longest time. A couple weeks ago, my cousin hung himself. I really need to get closer to God. I just slipped so far. HopeNet Radio. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to another episode of HopeNet Radio. Jeff, DW, your host tonight. It is so good to have you guys with us on the show again this week. Dave, my partner in crime, man, how you doing? Good. Good to be with you. Are you ready for tonight? Am I ready for tonight? I'm always ready. You're always ready? I, I'm always ready, man. I, I don't even sleep. I think of this program like 24-7. Well, you've had enough time to think about it earlier today. I did. And we're going to have a great conversation. We have some great guests lined up tonight. We and, uh, you know, Dave, it's, I can't believe it already. It's June. Where does this year go? You know, I tell you something. I don't understand that either. But I think these days, if I blink, I miss like a whole season. So I'm not sure how that works. But I am really excited today because there's two of my favorite people in the world in the studio today. Your favorite people? Two of my favorite people. <laughs> they are. And, and I think our, if people just uh, get all their friends, get them on the radio with us, tell them they got to come over and listen, you'll, you'll really be pleased because we're going to talk to some people uh, about some characteristics of success in life. I'm really, you know, I'm really concerned, Jeff, for the generation growing up now. I don't think they understand success. You don't think so? No, I don't. Aren't I, they making a lot more money than... Past generations, though? Uh, they, they probably are, but I don't think they understand success. Our suicide rate's probably higher, too. It has ebbed and flowed as far yeah. as rates go. Uh, but younger, do you know? Still the top demographic is middle-aged men, yeah. believe it or not. Uh, and, and that says something to me. Because I think middle-aged men are very into knowing that their lives matter, that they're significant and secure, that mm-hmm. they're successful. And they get to a point where they say, man, nothing's working. So where do we go wrong is the question. And, and really, we want to look at that before it comes up on us. And, and so hopefully we can talk about some more characteristics today of things that people need to think about if they're going to be successful in life. And I think we need to talk about one element of success. And I've heard this from mentors before me, and I've had to kind of take them at their word because when I look at the world, success does not seem to come through this little word called humility. Uh, that, humility. that characteristic does not seem to flow from our culture these days is that the person who is the most humble is the one that succeeds the most. Typically, it looks like people who are just way out proud, screaming and tooting their horn as loud as they possibly can, putting out as many selfies as they can on, on Instagram or on Facebook these days. And that's that's what success becomes is the amount of followers and people that like you or supposedly like you or that sort of thing. I don't know. Do you see that? You know what? I think part of the world that these young people are growing up in is a fantasy world. And, and part of fantasy is believing that success means that a lot of people in electronic form like you, whatever that might be. I mean, think about it. The normal young person, the last I looked, has 11 hours of screen time a day. Now, that, that doesn't mean just television, obviously. That's computer, phone, Whatever, and they do combine it, so if you're watching the computer in this couple hours. But that's a lot. Regardless of how much, what happens is that people begin to have a a life that really doesn't exist. They they begin to live in a fantasy world. The movies are not real people. The themes are not real. 
And all of a sudden, all the stuff that they're doing, even relationships on Facebook, can be altered and fixed, and photographs can be. You never know when you're living in reality. You want to know about photos being fixed? I just saw a story of a, a guy who had an art gallery, I think, in New York City, and he took a bunch of people's Instagram photos and like cut out a certain element or put him in another background. Now he's selling them. He sold this picture for like ninety thousand dollars, just of a an image of an Instagram photo. And I'm oh, thinking. Man. I'm on Instagram. You're going to take my photos and sell them for 90 grand? Give me some of that change. I I, I wouldn't sell your photos for 90 grand. Just for the record. 100? No, I wouldn't. 100? No. In fact, you'd have to pay me. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Um, You you know what? My concern is that we haven't really thought on the cause side of things. In other words, we we look at the effect, but we haven't seen the cause. Right. And, And the cause really is... We've got a generation that is trying to be significant in all the wrong areas. I mean, in other words, I'm trying to be significant maybe growing up in America. So I'm listening to people say in order to be significant, you have to be an athletic star. In order to be significant, you have to have a lot of money. In order to be significant, you have to, you know, you have to be married maybe or whatever, whatever your fill in the blank is. You've got to be visible. You that's be what visible. it is. Yeah. I mean, that's significance to people is in front of so many faces like Justin Bieber, you know, in front of a million people, you know, from the stage like that is significant. So can you be significant and not be visible? I think so. Okay, but not in our culture, maybe. Well, who are some significant people behind do, the do curtains? They have, do they have a program on television, American Invisible Person? I no, they have, have, they have American Idol, they, but do they, do they have American person that nobody really knows but holds everything together person? Is that like American fly on the wall? Yeah. I mean, they don't have a program like that. And Not- the reason they don't is because we don't look at those people as successful. But I will tell you something. In the ministry after the last, this is my 48th summer, I'm doing something here. And, and, and really, the people that hold this place together, you don't know their names. You well, do not know who they are. I'm because thinking, they're not out there telling you their names. I'm thinking the person that's going to bring the next cure for cancer is probably going to be an unknown. Yeah. Like you're not going to know them until something happens where it's, there's a breakthrough, right? Yeah. You know, it, it's amazing to me. We, we, when we get the definition wrong, we get things out of order. There are people in this world that want to go on like American Idol. Why? Because they want to be known and successful. Why don't you do something first? First do something and let whether you're known or not take care of itself. I mean, there's, there's no way that you need to make the goal that people know who you are. The, the goal is, why don't you do what God gave you to do and do it well, whatever it is. And, and if you do that, there's going to be a lot of body parts, if you want to call it, that are behind clothes. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's not like every body part. Can you imagine if I'm walking down the street and, and my elbow keeps, you know, shoving out in front of people saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. I, I mean, that would be weird. If nothing else. That happens, though, in big cities, though. I mean, you've got people that are always vying for visibility. Uh, they are. But yeah. is visibility success? If it was, then the Boston Bomber guy is, is successful. And there's, there's your catch-22 right there. Yeah. See, visibility, we have to define things right. And in order for us to be significant, here, here's what I believe in a general rule. We've said it before, that significance cannot ever be found. And those who are seeking it will be losers. Because significance is a gift from God. It's something he gives you. You have to accept it. You don't find it. And that's very, very, very important. It, it also then puts it in context with the rest of Scripture. Whatever you do, do with all your might. Whatever you, I mean, all of that is in there. But the significance isn't what we seek. It happens because of who we are. And, and so we need to concentrate on the who we are part. Yeah. And we'll find the significance. There are people today that work at Walmart that are significant. They are. 
They're doing a great job at Walmart. The CEOs? No, no. I think the greeters. I mean, if you go to the Walmart in my area, it's just like the TV commercial. Man, the store's clean. The people are nice. Um, they, They greet you when you walk in the door. There are people that are at Walmart that make you feel like a million bucks, man, when you walk in the door. They have found their niche. Do you know that, that in our country it's really hard for people to accept the way that God made them and excel at it? Yeah. And, and really that would be those who find significance and security because they're accepting what God did in their lives. Yeah. Until I understood um, that my role in life was to serve here in this ministry and love the children that come through here. I mean, how in the world do you get ahead loving children? They don't have any money. I mean, how do you yeah. do that? Well, I don't know, but I wouldn't trade that life for anything in the world right now. Yeah. And, and it's like God gave me the significance and the security apart from me seeking significance and security. Hmm. It, it's very important that we understand that. Tonight on the show, we're going to talk about humility as not only a characteristic of someone who is successful, but I think the foundation of success and you can be a part of this conversation. Join us in the tweet back around Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB. This is a show where conversations save lives. You can be a part of it. If you need to tonight, there's also live coaches available to chat. And when we come back, we have some special guests to introduce you on HopeNet Radio. Are you hurting? Stressed out? Need somebody to talk to? Chat with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the show where conversations save lives. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight. It's so good to have you with us on the show. Join the tweet back right now. We're on Twitter. Use the hashtag HNRTB and be a part of the conversation tonight. Dave, we're chatting about humility. We've got a couple of great guests. I'd love you just to introduce these guys. You said they're some of your favorite people. Oh, they are. They are. Uh, A couple people that have uh, joined us in the studio that I grew up with one of them. And the other one, actually, after I got hurt my senior year in, in college, uh, he didn't take over my position immediately, but he was tenacious enough to take over it. Jeff and Nancy Peltz, Nancy Swider Peltz are with us. And uh, Jeff is currently, who in the world are you, Jeff? What do you do? I've been at Wheaton College for 33 years, an assistant football coach, uh, coaching the defensive line. Very cool. Is that what you always wanted to do? Yes. Yeah. I know that uh, when you came into uh, college football as a freshman, I was going out as a senior. And uh, we never really got to play together. Did you even play in that first scrimmage? No. No, so we didn't really get to play because I got hurt in the very first scrimmage my senior <laughs> year. And that was the end of me and the beginning of your career in many ways. And, and so we kind of crossed. And who is with you here? Who is this lady? This is my wife, Nancy, who was a gorgeous blonde uh, when I was at uh, Wheaton College and uh, caught my eye. Ah, she caught your eye. Good to have you. Thank you guys for being here on the show. And, and Jeff, I know you've been a coach for over 30 years. Is that right? 33. 33 years at Wheaton College. He's a defensive line coach down there and spiritual coordinator is my understanding. Um, you also had the sack record still. Yes. It's because I pull them out before they get close. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. That's how it works. Yeah, and, uh, it? of course, you captained the 1980 football team and you've worked with many All-Americans and All-Conference players down there. 33 years. That's a long time to coach. Yes, it is. Uh, when I was interviewed and uh, the human resources director leaned over uh, on his desk and looked at me and says, Jeff, this is a five-year commitment. And I looked at him and I said, I'm 22. Five years is forever. But I've enjoyed myself. The guys keep me young. And uh, 
when I grow up, I'll get a real job. How many years, Nancy, did it take you to go through Wheaton College? I graduated in my sixth year. Seventh year. Took you seven years? Yes. I, I Just for the record, I went through in four. I mean, just for the record. Well, as, did yeah, yeah, as did Yeah, as did Jeff. Well, and that just said, Dave, you're smart. I, I, well, that's what I mean. That's what I'm talking about here. There you go. Yeah, and your wife, Nancy, you guys have been married how long now? 35. 35 years. That's incredible. It's awesome. I, I think if you would look up Nancy Swider Pelts on uh, the internet, you might learn something. What would we learn if we looked that up? Well, my real claim to fame is that I know the big DW here. Oh, uh, brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she knows me from when we were young. Her dad yeah. was my coach in high school for swimming and football. Wow. Yeah, we go back that far. Yeah, my dad, when I was at home and he would come home with stories about who he's coaching at school, he would talk about Dave. My father really... Re- respected, you know, the route that Dave had to take to the ultimate successes he did have in sports. And he would uh, give us examples of what he had to do to overcome, you know, some obstacles that Dave had. And I don't know if he's ever talked about these on air, but those always impressed me. And uh, to this day, I'm humbled using that word by those individuals in life who have had to overcome incredible obstacles to achieve what they have because it is really easy in life, you know, if you are blessed with a lot of things to achieve in those areas. But as we all know, I mean, this is not anything new under the sun here, but those people who you know, have obstacles sometimes become the ones that we all look up to because of what they had to overcome. And Dave is one of those. Yeah. I didn't explain exactly who I am, but... Your mom. <laughs> yes. I, when I am asked to write down, you know, what is my job or occupation, I say mom slash uh, coach. Um, but I'm also an athlete myself. I, I like to do that. I put mom first because I think it's important for people to understand that that is, I don't need to be politi- politically correct saying it's a, an occupation. I really hate to say that. It's something that uh, when you have kids, I, it, it's fun and it's, it's my job. It's to, to, number one, as a believer, to raise them to have a heart for God. But you know, they're your kids, and isn't that the greatest thing to be able to do is to raise them the best yeah. that you can. And she's not telling you actually what her sport was or anything, so... You, I know. You, you might have to look it up on Wikipedia. I know, well... So what does Wikipedia say? She's she's being super humble about it, which, you know, our show tonight we've been kind of talking about humility, but uh, I don't know if you know this, you're on Wikipedia. You know, I've never looked it up, so... Yeah, and well, I, I'm, I, we I have. <laughs> no, well, my Wiki- kids have. <laughs> Wikipedia, you're all over the place. Uh, Nancy, uh, Nancy goes by the name Nancy Swider Peltz. Is that how you, yes, how you say it? I hyphenate. Yes. yes. Um, she, you're a four-time U.S. Olympic speed yes. skater. Yes. And uh, not only that, but you have actually done eight qualifiers yes. for the Olympics, which yeah. is pretty incredible. Is that on there? It's on there. How, okay. how many years does eight qualifiers mean? How, how many? Eight times four? Yeah. Well, you, I have I'm a football player end. that had a yeah. concussion, so what's eight times four? <laughs> well, that's 36. 32. Whoa. Oh. 32 years? Oh. You were doing Olympics for 32 <laughs> years? Well, take off the two fours on the end because, you know, if I right. was in one and then she's all, with one. All right. But she's only 34. It was, it, was through, <laughs> it was in the 70s. It is actually four decades, the 70s, yeah. 80s, 90s, and 2000. But yeah. I actually, when asked what what is the thing that you probably are most – I hate to use this word now, talking about humility. But the thing <laughs> that you're most proud of is skating in my eighth Olympic trials against my daughter. Mm. Um, when she was 14, I was 45. Wow. Yeah. And that's, that was one of the things, one of the highlights too, of, of your bio is that your daughter, Nancy Jr. was also, she's, she's also an Olympic skater is my understanding too. Yes. 
And uh, so that's neat. I mean, so. So did have... you want to win when you skated against her? I mean, were you trying uh, to beat her? <laughs> you know what? I never thought about it, really. Oh, come on. I you weren't no. trying to beat her. No, but I, when, okay, when we were on the line, and interestingly. In I guarantee that... you Nancy was trying to beat All right. yeah. her mom. Yeah, well, I guarantee that. I'm, I'm thinking the other way. Did yeah. you try and beat your own well, daughter? Well, we were interestingly randomly selected to skate against each other. Oh, and cool. So when we got to the line, they said skaters to the line. You're not supposed to do this, but I just stood up skated over to her, gave her a kiss, and then went back to the line. Oh, yeah, but that's unusual. Did you ever do that before to any other skater? No. <laughs> good. That's, 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 that's what we good. call it. I'm feeling better already. We call that in- intimidation, yeah, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah so. Well, I, I, I beat her in that race, but that was the last one, first and last one I ever did. All right. You retired then? Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, know, I know that feeling. <laughs> But that's so cool. I mean, for you, both of you are into coaching now, and both of you have some incredible stories. And I want to talk more about your stories tonight because I think what it boils down to is every one of us has a story. Every one of us is is where we're at in our life, and those that are listening, you guys, you all have a story. You all have, you know, whether it's a platform that's a big platform or a small platform. I know I talked about Justin Bieber, and every single one of us has a platform. How we use it is super important. And like we said at the beginning of the show here, humility is a foundation, has to be a foundation of success. And I'd like to hear from you guys specifically as athletes. And when we come back, I want to talk about this question of how, as an athlete, as someone who is a top elite performer, who I would say... Both of you are, in first meeting you, are very humble kinds of people. I want to talk about what it means to be an athlete and being humble as we go on the show. So join us in the tweet back if you have questions for Jeff or Nancy. Join us in the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTB. Also, we have live coaches. If you're going through something tonight and you just need to talk to somebody about life, about struggles, about you know decisions that you need to make, that you're not sure which path you should go or that, we have live coaches that are willing to listen, to encourage you, to maybe give you some insight and some experience in their lives right now at HopeNet360.com. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Connecting parents with their teens in real conversations that save lives. HopeNet Radio on Q90FM. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome back to the show. Check out the show notes tonight at HopeNet360.com. Everything we're talking about tonight, about humility and some other links, more about Jeff and Nancy and some of their accomplishments, are on our website, HopeNet360.com, under tonight's show notes. And uh, guys, it's, it is it is really good to have you on the show, not just because of your platforms. I mean, you guys both have some really neat platforms, just the opportunity to influence a lot of people from... Like we said, you know, a visible kind of a setting. I mean, you guys have been around different types of people and groups. And I mean, to be on the Olympic stage is a pretty significant accomplishment in life. I mean, that's just, let's just face it. A lot of people dream of that, but they never get there, never had the opportunity. So that's a neat opportunity. Uh, Jeff, and Jeff, I never dreamed of it. You never dreamed of it, Dave? No. As a football player? <laughs> no. It's probably because it's not in the Olympics. I just isn't. never dreamed of it. I, I don't know why. I, I, I just couldn't imagine myself wearing those speed skating outfits. Oh. Well, there's one thing we didn't yeah, want to see. Yeah. No one wants to see that. <laughs> No. I put it on once. Did you? Oh, yeah. yeah I can only imagine. And that's <laughs> no. all I'm going to do. Yeah. yeah, that ends there. TMI. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, so uh, we, we kind of close things out with that kind of that provocative question, humility. Our topic tonight is humility. And it almost seems like counter 
intuitive to talk about humility from an athletic perspective. Most times you'll see athletes go on the field. I mean, they're doing everything they can to get their name out there, their image, their persona intact, so they can go out and be a superstar. I mean, that's when you put athletics together, really any high visibility position, it's all about perception. And humility doesn't seem to, to stand out to me as far as athletics go, does it? No, I think the average person, you know, would not put humility together with uh, great success. How would you define humility? Um, well, from a Christian perspective, it's a person who realizes that what they've got was given to them. Therefore, whatever they do cannot be from themselves, except for the fact that if you work hard and do with that ability that God gave you, if you work hard, that is something that then that Christian athlete could go off on and not be humble about and say that, you know, well, I made this what it is, therefore, you know, I am great. But you've got to understand that what came first, and that's your ability. And uh, whatever you do with it, I think this is, you've got one life here, and I think you've got a head on your shoulders. You just got to do the best that you can. But realize that's what keeps, I think, the humble athlete, the humble athlete is one who really inside organically understands where this comes from. Let, let me ask you something. Do you think that in order to be at the level of an Olympic athlete or a professional football player, whatever it might be, that you have to have some special giftedness already? I mean, that you, you already have something that's a little different than most other people? I want to cut in here and say that it, first just because <laughs> um, – at least in sport of speed skating, yes and no. A lot comes from the the way you f- your leg gets into the skate and the skate to the blade and the blade to the ice. And if you just happen to have all the right equipment, you can. We don't have. I don't believe we have the greatest athletes in the world being you know great speed skaters. I think a lot has to do with you were just. But don't you have right to have now. a certain body type or, or whatever? I mean, I look at football. All right, I have I have a football body. My legs are really short, and my trunk is really long, and my arms are long. They're, they're, I have monkey arms. I actually prefer longer legs. Do you? Yes. Yeah, well, mine are short, so i got to balance. Nope, you, know, <laughs> you can't push me over that easily. Yeah, that's right. You, you, but that's the bottom line is my, my, right. my arms are monkey arms. I mean, they're long. And, and in my day anyway, they would look for that because you'd have better balance and your arms are long. And, I yeah, mean, you basically true, though, played Dave. what I did. Yeah. So I, I think, well, I didn't do anything for that. I mean, I, I showed up one day, and here's how I looked. You know, I mean, and, and then you got to take it and use it and develop it, I understand. But right. the guys I know that played like professional football, they were like off the charts well, on certain things compared to me. You know, I mean, I, I think, boy, I'm bad. You know, I'm out there, I'm doing, you know, really good. And then I see this guy and go, whoa, I'm not so good. I mean, this guy has another level. He just turned on the afterburners or something that I never enjoyed. Is that true? Or is that, am I just perceiving it? Well, I would say with Andy Studebaker, who I coached and who's in the NFL, I mean, one word we use usually uh, used for him was he, he was freakish. Yeah, freakish. Um, in a he, good way. Yeah. In a good way. Yeah. He had the body. He had the speed. Uh, when he tried out for the NFL, and this uh, was six, af- six weeks after he recovered from a surgery, uh, the NFL uh, scouts came and tried him out, and his times were within the DB times. Wow. Uh, he was running a four, uh, low four five. Wow. Um, yeah, you have to have that, but you also have to have that desire. I ran a four five in 10 yards. no i'm I'm really into that you've got to have the heart and the mind as well because come on you guys know the statistics where where, where are all the uh the 5'8 or 5'10 football players who people said you'd never make it and they did they're out there even if there's one 
it proves that it doesn't always have to be what everybody thinks it yeah, is. Yeah, Russell Wilson. You well, know I, what I, mean? I think of the I think of the Muggsy Bogues of of the N- NBA. Yeah, yeah that's a short guy. Yeah. You know. yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> well, you know you what the, the, the the thing I'm I'm going at here is yeah. you know if you really realize that part of your success you didn't have anything to do with. Yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? It's it's like yeah. it's not. It's not that you I, – when I was younger, and we've said this on the program before, I got cut from a no-cut baseball team. <laughs> I didn't have it. Not for baseball. I'm okay with that. You know, I really don't like baseball playing. So I'm, I don't have it. I didn't have it. I, it wasn't for me. That's fine. But those who do have it, there's some guys get up there, man, they got it. I, I mean, they, right from the start, they got it. There's people that sit down and play the piano. They got it. I mean, yeah. right. I took five years I still can't play. So I don't got it. You know, I mean, that's okay. But but the idea is there's a certain level that you didn't work towards. Uh, what you do with that, I think I knew yeah. some very talented people that never did anything with it. I think there's more of those. Yeah, but yes. they had it. They just didn't do anything with right. it. And I that, that's several a little of those different. on the defensive line. Yeah. Yep. So, I, I mean, how, Jeff or Nancy, how, how humility. I mean, how do you get people to say, I am confident I can go out there and, and win and still be humble? I mean, how do you do that? Does that even work? I think you're going to have two perspectives here a little bit because of a individual sport versus a team sport right. with myself. In football, we're trying to organize 11 guys on, on the field at one time to go in the same direction. And in order to do that, you can't think of yourself. You can't be the, the chest thumper. You have to, obviously, you have to have the desire and do your specific job and run somebody over or block somebody or whatever. But you have to believe in a bigger cause. Okay. A a part of a whole. A part of a whole. You are part of a whole. And the nice thing about a team sometimes is I might not get my job done, but someone else picks it up. Right. And and so you have to act like you're part of a whole. If you act like you're the whole, you get in trouble there. So humility is actually acting in context of being a part. Yes. Uh, What about an individual sport, Nancy? Can you be humble and be a speed skater that's an individual sport or a swimmer who's an individual sport? And you've done both those sports. I think it's very, very difficult. And I think um, I'm always questioning myself and my kids who are, I'm coaching and Nancy, my daughter, made the Olympic team and my son is trying to make the next Olympics with my daughter as well. And that is their question. How can they exemplify Christ in their life and be humble and not be perceived as trying to achieve this for themselves, but to for a greater cause? And probably in an individual sport, the best way to do that is to, in your life and every day, uh, what you do every day, people perceive you as an individual who is trying to help others and do things for others. But you have to draw a line at a certain point uh, so that you give yourself the time that you need and the self-time to achieve you know, great things. In order to achieve great things, you have to be selfish to an extent. But I believe that if God opens yeah. the doors and puts you in that direction, there's a way to do it. I, I would disagree. I think you need to be selfless because really what you're doing is dying to self with all those workouts and all that well, kind of stuff, isn't it? I mean, aren't you out there saying, yeah. okay. you know, I remember even working out for football up here for Wheaton College. You know, everyone else would have, you know, two hours off and I'd go running. So you're, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So you're, you're, you're kind of like, I think that was. So humble. you're calling selfless an individual who is. Um, uh, working super hard at things that sometimes you don't want to do, but you do it because you have to in order to achieve greatness. Maybe like what Jeff said, you're looking at the, the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. And the bigger picture is I need to say no to myself on this food. I need to say no to myself well, for this party. Right. Okay. I need to do this. And and maybe that's what humility is. It's, it's being able to say no to self and not elevate self. That's an interesting perspective. 
We're going to take a break here on the show. We'll answer that question when we come back. And, of course, your tweets as well. Use the hashtag HNRTB on Twitter. The conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. Feel like nobody cares? We do. HopeNet360.com has an online crisis chat line powered by Groundwire. A live coach is available to talk right now at HopeNet360.com. It's HopeNet Radio. You can talk with a live spiritual coach anytime at HopeNet360.com. Now, here are the hosts of HopeNet Radio, Jeff and Dave. Hey, welcome to the second half of HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW, your hosts tonight on the show. Be a part of the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTV if you're on Twitter. Also, if you miss any part of the show, you can go and download the podcast. Visit HopeNet360.com slash podcast. Really simple for you. You can subscribe on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, and the Stitcher Radio app. Whatever app you use, you can go and download our podcast every single week. We do this for you guys. So we've got some very special guests in the studio tonight. We have Jeff Peltz and Nancy Peltz. Nancy Swider Peltz is her Olympic speed skating name and, uh, of course, four-time Olympic speed skater. And uh, Jeff is a coach down at Wheaton College on their football team. And, uh, it's guys, it's been so great to have you on the show. We've been talking about humility and, again, the part of athletics that isn't really noticeable or isn't really caught as much, especially from a media perspective, is you don't really see a lot of players that have this trait of humility and what that means. Usually you see guys that, again, pound their chest. And, Jeff, I liked how you brought up the understanding that team sports is a little bit different than individual sports. Is there a harder one to figure out which is harder to be humble at? Well, I know in a team sport, so defensive line right now we're running a three-man front, but I have 16 guys. Three guys are on the field. Now there might be a rotation, so maybe four or five will get in the game, maybe six at the most. So there are nine others that are not getting on that field. They're learning, and hopefully they're getting better. But the guys at the top are only as strong as the guys on the bottom pushing their way up. Hmm. Uh, let me tell you a quick story one time, uh, really quick. Uh, so I have a senior. His name is Tom Veterani, and he had been paying his dues for three years. It's his time. Tom wasn't very fast. He was very thick. He was a shot put discus thrower, very strong, one of the stronger guys on our team. And uh, I had a freshman come in by the name of Dan Lundgren, ended up being a two-time All-American. Tom, after the third game, I had to tell him the freshman was taken over. Hmm. That hurt. It was Tom's time. He was a senior. He had paid his dues. Dane was just learning the game, but he was a natural. Mm. The next game, well, the first game that Dane started in and played in, Tom, it's a rainy day, and we still had a grass field, not turf like we do now. Tom got the big uh, tongue depressors, and he got a couple other guys to get tongue depressors. As our defensive line came off the field, Tom was the first person, and he cleaned Dane's cleats every, every time he came off the field. Now, he was pushing that. He was telling Dane, if I'm not out there, then I'm going to make you the best person that's playing out there in my place. Wow. And, you know, I had the same experience. When I started at Wheaton College, there was a guy ahead of me. His name was Jeff. So there's a lot of Jeffs around right now. <laughs> his name was Jeff. And, really, I wanted his job. And he taught me how to play. He did everything he could to teach me how I needed to play. He would be the one. The coaches were yelling at me sometimes, and he'd be the one put his arm around me and say, "Look, here's how you do this." And and he would. And I and I thought about that at night. I, you know, we'd be done with practice. I'd be thinking, this guy's doing everything he can to make me the best I can be. You know, I I learned that from my own dad. One of the things that um, I found through the years here in ministry 
is that you need to work at making everybody around you successful, the best they can be at what they do. And, and the better they are, the better. It, they're going to be better than me when I'm done with them at what I do. And there are so many young men that have come through the doors that are better at what I do than what I do. And I'm still here. They haven't wanted to get rid of me yet. You know what I mean? It's not like you worked hard at helping them be all they could be, and now they want to trash you somewhere. They don't. They actually keep me here. They actually want me here. And even though they can do it better, I believe with all my heart they could do it better now. And, And I've never seen it where if you wouldn't focus on what God says, and that's humility, I mean, if you wouldn't focus on, he says, what does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Love your neighbor as yourself. So you love each other. How do you love somebody? You make them the best they can be. Yet you give them whatever they need to be the best they can be and get out of their way. Yeah. Yeah. Dave, you know the example I, I always think of when it comes to leadership and people that do it better is I'm sure when you read the story of Moses and Aaron and leading all of these people out of Egypt, how, there were about a million people. 2.5. 2.5 million people in that group. I'm sure at least one of them thought they could have done a better job than Moses or Aaron. Most of them. I mean, yeah. look at our country. Most, most people can do a better job than our president. And that's uh, not humility, though. No. no. And, and, Jeff, I think uh, most people, if they watch a Wheaton College football game, can make a better decision than you as a coach. Every single uh, one in the yeah, stands can. I know. That's yeah. what I mean. That's not humility either <laughs> because that's not their call and it's not their responsibility. How many, so, how many MVPs of Monday morning quarterbacks would there be? Uh, the room would be crowded. Yeah, yeah it, it would, would be. Uh, so first year out of school, I worked at a corporation uh, named Service Master at the time, and it was in management. And the first rule I learned in management was as the leader, as the manager, I need to be training these people under me to take my job. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, the best thing that somebody can do is, is take somebody and, and mentor, show them by modeling what they need to do, make them the best they can be, and then get out of their way. You know, um, Jeff and I, as, as Jeff's much younger than I am, and one of the goals that, that I have is, is, is to share everything I know with Jeff. As we do things, I want to give him everything I know. It, it, I don't feel threatened by that. In fact, we have a good friendship. I, I don't feel threatened at all. I feel encouraged by that. And every young person that I've mentored here through the years, the goal now is I want to give you everything I have. I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to keep it back. I want to give you everything I've got. One day I'm not going to be here anymore. And I want to make sure that that this place goes on and has many qualified young people that could take it over. Hmm. And, And I think that could happen. And really, in the process, I'm not making enemies. No, that you're, you're being the leader. See, people like to follow that because you make them, well, a couple things. You make them feel good, but because you're teaching them something and they know that you are the leader. Oh, over- I don't always what? make them feel good, Nance. <laughs> no, it, it, I mean, think of you as a coach. Yeah. You, the, the, you're looking out for your athletes, right? Yeah. How often do you make them feel good about something? <laughs> yeah, there's times, man. There are times where they don't feel good at all about what you just did to them. But because but of the Jim, relationship you have yeah. with them. Right. Yes. Exactly. Yes. They, want, they want to follow you because they respect that. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, as far as, you know, that we talk about team sports, mm-hmm. individually, though, I mean, when you look at it from a team perspective, mm-hmm. if I make my position the best that it can be, it benefits the whole team. Yeah. And if the team does well, then it opens up each of our opportunities to go to the next level in that. Right. Whereas an individual sport... What benefit do you have of being humble, of helping yeah. your person in competition oh, right. out? What, what benefit is it in an individual kind It's of sport? very cutthroat, and that's why I think it is very difficult to be that humble person. 
and to be a believer. I mean, a humble a person who is trying to achieve the highest and to be humble. I, I'm sure there's correlations, you know, in a team sport, you know, to the individual sport. But, let, you let know, me, let me go back to what Dave was saying, though, earlier. And I said, that's an interesting way to look at it, Dave. There is in dying to yourself and in having to eat correctly or don't take the drugs or do the things that seem to be the things that would make you better. You don't do that. That is the selfless aspect of an individual. Yeah, well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this. I mean, there's guys that if they look at another team or an individual and someone's hurt, they're happy because they get a better chance to win. I, I just never okay. felt that way. I wanted yeah. them to be the best. I mean, you're not gauged well, okay. by beating somebody when know, they're not Dave, good. Is that and, because you were raised by a Christian family? Well, too, it could be, and, right? and, and and it could be too that I mean, if you're talking about humility, so let's say that there's somebody in speed skating, yeah, and, and I'm they're my competition, mm-hmm. and I see them doing something. I go, hey, I can help you. Let me show you how to do this. Mm-hmm. As weird as that is, yeah. I don't want to beat them because they don't know something. Correct. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, if, it, what, that, what kind yeah. of victory is it when you beat somebody because right. you held a secret? Well, there's a certain amount. Okay, that's that's something we could really discuss here because I think there's some of that you should do. But then again, should you say everything or should you help them in all areas? Because then if you're sacrificing and trying to be the best that you can be and then you just hand it to somebody else, well, well, well then, then, then your desire in that sport is to host <laughs> Yeah, but what person. if I want them the best they could be? So if I win, I actually accomplish something. Well, look, I'll tell you what, you have a great heart. Uh, and that's very, I very difficult. Great conversation. There's more to come here on the show. Remember to connect with us on the tweet back. Use the hashtag HNRTV, and the conversation will continue here on HopeNet Radio. If you're going through something tonight, a live coach is waiting to talk to you at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Feel free to email the show, hope at hopenet360.com. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. G.K. Chesterton said, it is always the secure who are humble. Welcome back to the show, HopeNet Radio, the show where conversations save lives. Jeff and D.W., your hosts tonight, we've got Jeff and Nancy Peltz here on the show. And it's been a great conversation about humility. There's so much more that we can talk about tonight, especially when you get on this this whole topic of humility and athletics and humility across the entire board, humans aren't wired as humble beings. I've learned this from when I had a two-year-old who's now a three-year-old. Three-year-old, I think, is even less humble than I went into the the two-year-old stage with. And so it's this is almost like a learned trait. And you guys, as coaches, one of the things that I think has to be mind-boggling to you, especially when you come across a person who is not humble, is how, how do you make that person successful knowing that the foundation to success really does have to have a foundation of humility. Kids today are growing up watching these NFL players do a, a score and point to themselves, and then they're coming to play for you. Does that affect them? I mean, what do you do now? We actually have our team broken down in a lot of different ways, and we do a lot of intentional things with our team throughout the whole year, not just the season. So, the like, we just got out of school two weeks ago. We've got all the freshmen that are incoming this year. Uh, broken down into small groups with our sophomores, juniors, and seniors. Those guys are calling each other all summer. They're already establishing that relationship among themselves all summer. When they start in school, they're supposed to be meeting uh, at least once a week, probably better once every other week. And the goal in that is for things to be shared, to become vulnerable with each other. Well, vulnerable? Vulnerable. That's a big word. It is a big word. What does that mean? It means there are no secrets. Yeah. Uh, the closer I've gotten to my wife is because I've become vulnerable to my wife. Yeah. That's how relationships grow. So we, 
intentionally want guys to share things in that group that stay in that group that get prayed for in that group. Yeah. You know, I, I would I would say, Jeff, that just sparked something in me. It's the same thing that we do with young people here. One of the things that I tell them all the time is if you're going to be successful, you need to be honest. You need to tell me what you're really thinking. You need to tell me what you're really doing. I need to know. I can help you then. I can't help you if you don't tell me or if you're going to pretend. People coming into a sport and they're pretending like they got it all together and like they're not. No, they need to go say, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, coaches understand that. And, and you need to be able to do that. Moms and dads understand that. Um, life is very seasonal. And, and whatever season you're heading into, you're not prepared for it. I'm, I'm guaranteeing you that. Because it's new. If you're getting married, for example, you've never been married before. <laughs> I mean, how are you going to get ready for that? You, well, then you have your kid, first kid. Well, you never had one kid before. And then you have two. Then you have three. Olympics. You've you never been to the Olympics before. See, you can go to people who have been there before, and you can submit to them. And say, how do I do this right? Because they've already made the mistakes. I don't have a lot of brain cells. What I have is a lot of experience. And, and so when a young person comes to me and says, can I tap into your experience? Yeah, I can give you that. I've been there. Can I tell you how to get world peace? Probably not. But I can tell you what I've learned about peace hmm. in my heart. And, and that's what I'm thinking. If someone comes to a sport, one of your sports, speed skating or, or football, or they want to go into, you know, running a business. They need to go to the owner. They need to go to the person that already knows what they're doing and submit. That's part of being humble, I think. Nancy, going back to your comment about speed skating being very cutthroat, and I'm sure as a coach it's probably you felt the same thing among other coaches too. I mean, the profession itself, it doesn't end just from being on the ice to a different point in your life. Tell me what that transition was like for you. And, and now, I mean, this whole humility thing, how does this, how does this work out as a coach as far as speed skating goes or an independent team sport, I mean, because you talk about the cutthroat part of it, is it difficult to be humble? And what part does humility play as more of a foundational level versus like a byproduct? Actually, I'm going to be honest and with this next statement is I think that the egotistical cutthroat type people are very successful in this sport. But that doesn't mean that you can't be the other and be successful as well. But that's a holy grail question, I think, as a believer and as a, success, as a successful athlete. Can you be truly in your heart that humble, you know, die for somebody else, yet be the greatest athlete in the world. And in, a, in an individual sport, if you're going to go out for it, that's what your goal is. So how does an individual do that? But I think bringing up some thoughts that have been spoken about here and on, on our breaks, successful person, if they have, let's say the greatest athlete, well, who is arguably the greatest, can even be greater maybe if they have the ability to say, I don't know everything or I'm not the greatest, there's more to learn. If you can say that, then you will even be better. So let's take the individual who is a believer. I think that they can be great if they can have that ability to say, you know, I'm, I can learn more. I'm going to listen to you as a coach. And that's the way I, I coach. My athletes have to communicate everything to me because I don't have science. I don't have the books. We don't have the money, whatever. We have to do it on being honest with each other and talking to each other. I have to tell them things which a lot of other coaches are not willing to tell their athletes because they want to keep all the information so their athletes think they know everything. Hmm. I'm a very um, vulnerable coach because I'm barely one step ahead of my guys. I tell them why they do everything that they do so that if they understand why they are, to me, they can throw more of themselves into it. But there's almost no coach out there who does that. But you will find a few. And it's very interesting, and I bumped into them. We relate, just like a believer. You know, when you meet another believer, you say, wow, they believe like I do. You can feel it. 
And when I meet another coach who coaches like I do, I say right away, wow, they coach like I do because they're willing to back down and say or to, to, to give to the athlete who says, no, I don't agree with that. This is what I'm feeling, you know, and then you change it. You have to be very willing as a coach who coaches as I do, an experiential coach, as a coach to be humble, to take that from your athlete who doesn't know everything to say, in this instance, you do and vice versa. So it's a very um, give and take you relationship. Know, would it be an answer? And I think this came from your dad and my years with him as well. Mm-hmm. I think it came that, from my dad. I think that most of what's really good about coaches is that they want the young person that they're coaching to be successful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and yes, it, some coaches have to look at it. You were talking about football players, Jeff. Uh, somebody was more talented, et cetera. They had to step aside and let somebody else do it. it that's part of being successful. I mean, it's learning what your capabilities are and aren't and getting into that. And, and, that, and that's part of humility is to realize what the role really is. Both of you can answer this, too. How important is it to help your player or the person that you're mentoring be the best you that they can be versus being someone they're not? Did you ever struggle with that growing up as being maybe the, the best speed skater to maybe your idol in speed skating versus yeah. who you were? Well, I, I always, and even raising our kids, I never wanted them to have a human being that they, you know, slapped up on the wall or, you know, they wanted to be like that person or they were their idol. You know, we encouraged our kids to first have God as the person whom they wanted to emulate. And then after that, to be the best that they could be, you know, and maybe have their parents, you know, as, you know, someone they looked up to. But I think it's very important to not have another human being as an idol. Singletary and, said once, I don't, I was at a, uh, a meeting and he stood up and said, I want to be a hero to my kids. Right. Oh, I don't know so... if I answered that, but if you want to ask me a different way. No, I mean, that's that's so true. I mean, but in today's celebrity fad, as you will, there are so many faces, the Sean Whites of snowboarding, the Michael Phelps of swimming, uh, the Andre Agassiz of tennis. But, but that's and... why I think as a parent, though, you need to pick out the things that you might want to emulate a particular skill, but... The rest of the thing that goes along with that is that what you want to be like. And Mm -hmm. unfortunately, in this day and age, since everybody knows what is behind it as well, you got to be careful that your kids realize that sometimes along with this success comes this personality. And then it comes back to the, the, the great athlete who is a believer. It's very, very difficult because some of the things that go along with that greatness tend to be those um, characteristics that go along with selfishness and egotism and glory and that's exactly it glory is what it all boils down to and especially in athletics we're all seeking that next level or that next prize we're gonna wrap up this conversation somehow when we come back here on the show remember to check out the show notes at hopenet360.com also live coaches are available at hopenet360.com as well we'll wrap up the show here on hopenet radio of HopeNet Radio. Stay in contact all week long at HopeNet360.com. This is HopeNet Radio. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Hashtag HNR. Now, back to Jeff and Dave. Welcome back to HopeNet Radio. Jeff and DW wrapping up the show tonight. Jeff Peltz, Nancy Schweiter-Peltz, it's been so fun having you guys on the show and as we always do at the end of the show, we like to wrap up with just some final thoughts, what we glean from the show. Obviously, talking about humility, this is a huge topic, and I hope that athletes out there that are listening to the show tonight understand humility is not about lessening your drive to compete or putting things on the back burner for 
even just other people for the sake of, of doing that, it, it still is about having priorities. It's still about having goals. You can be humble and be competitive. You can be humble and have goals and have ambitions and you can pursue those things and you can be an Olympic contestant, someone who goes in and, and competes at an Olympic level, or you can be someone who just swam a couple laps of the YMCA. It doesn't really matter what you are or who you are in life that humble people are still successful. And tonight as we wrap up the show, I want to talk about humility really as a foundation. I really believe that humility, I found in my own life that the more times that I've spent being proud and boastful in my accomplishments and my feats of life was, it was such more work to try to convince somebody that I'm all this, all that in a bag of chips. That takes more energy out of myself versus I like to just share experiences of where I've been in life and what God has done in my life because I found that the times that I try to do it, I really failed, really bombed. But then God comes through and he does something great in my life. And you guys probably have those same stories in life. And Jeff, I'd like to hear some of your final thoughts as we're wrapping up the show tonight of what you love to tell young people. We're talking about humility, these different topics. What really stands out to you? What do you really want young people to take away today? Well, my role as a coach is to help them reach their potential, to help them be their very best football player. And that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be on the field starting. But I want them to be their best when they're a senior, when they're done playing football. Hmm. My ultimate goal when I talk to recruits is, as a coach, my responsibility is where have you grown in your character with the Lord when you walk down that aisle at graduation? To me, that's what I want to see. Not how great a football player you are. That's a byproduct. But where – and that's, that's unique. It makes my day when a player comes in and talks to me. And we can sit down and end in a word of prayer together. Hmm. Ultimately, in sport, as was mentioned earlier, I believe, one play can put you out of the game. One play can finish your career. Where is your identity at that point? Is, if your identity has been in nothing but that sport, in my case, football, you're going to be destroyed. You're not going to know where to go. You're going to be flailing, sinking hmm. in water. If your identity is in Jesus then when that is taken away, you know, because of your relationship in Christ, that I have purpose. Football was there for a while. I have purpose. If that's done, I'm moving on. God has something else for me. Well, because Jesus never accepted those who were just football players or just professional athletes, right? I mean, there wasn't, like, this is an unconditional relationship. Yes, absolutely. And you know, if you don't know what it is to have that personal relationship with God, we invite you to go to HopeNet360.com, talk to a live coach, and say, man, I, I don't get that. What's that all about? We'll, we'll be glad to talk to you about that. Nancy, too, some of your thoughts, you know, being a mom, aside from being a professional athlete, so many pressures, so many things, especially today's athletes face today, the pressure of so many of them bend the rules. I mean, there's just that temptation among so many young people. And one of the things in one of the interviews that you did, you talked about one of the things you admired most about your parents and Dave, you have a relationship that's kind of interesting I here. Do. Nancy's dad was my coach in, in high school for swimming and for football, a man I loved very much, and we had a great relationship, and he has a lot to do with uh, how he went on into sports. He would never bend the rules. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't do it, and he taught me not to. Mm-hmm. You know, you play. He, he told me, and, and I was wondering, Jeff was talking, you know, of all the people you coach, of all the people you coach, Nancy, how many of them are really going to make the Olympics? And how many are going yeah. to stand on the podium? How many are going to really be a professional football player? We're training people for bigger stuff than that. Yeah. Hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's, we're using the sport, but we're training them for something bigger. Yeah, my, my dad uh, taught what he taught and coached as he did because he wanted to teach them life lessons. And as you probably know, I don't know any other coach, but I don't know everybody. 
but he coached um, the players to call their own plays. He would sit on the bench, and they would call the plays for the game. And even even though my dad, this is called what you call maybe humbleness and selflessness, is even though he really wanted to win, that was very important to him. He bit his tongue, and he did what he thought was better for the kids, teach the life lessons, which they would learn from, there's a practical correlation from them learning to call their own plays and then ultimately taking that responsibility into their own life, uh, everyday life. And so my dad showed a lot of uh, you know, selflessness in that respect. And I always said that my dad is my hero in life because of that um, selflessness, it, because I know that humanness in him so much wanted to be of the world and to, to do the things that, because he was not a believer in the beginning when he grew up. But um, he came so far from not being a believer to being a believer. And by being such a selfless person um, when he became a Christian. And, but then he was also very humble because he never wanted necessarily to tell people he was because he knew he screwed up. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to go around you know, with a sign on his head saying that he was a believer. But he did try super hard. And, he was, and you, you brought up these words to me that I've used in, in, in describing him. He's very steadfast you know, and consistent um, in uh, his life. And that was very important to him. When you were asking me that question, I had a few disjointed thoughts. I think the person becomes a leader because they're humble, because people like to follow somebody who doesn't always say they know everything or they are the greatest. The, The leader who can be the servant, who can admit that they're wrong. Actually, a great leader is not somebody who even seeks out being the leader. They become the leader just because of who they are. Mm -hmm. And I think that's you know, something to really think about in a person's life in as far as who they are going to follow one day or, you know, who they want to be one day. Yeah. And I, I would call that leadership by inspiration versus yeah. leadership by manipulation. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a yeah. difference in, in those two things. And I would rather be a leader who's based on inspiration, yeah. helping them to see that there is something within them that can go. I mean, we talk about humility. Humility is one of those things that if you don't have it, it takes a long time to coach. It can almost take a lifetime. It can almost go beyond their time playing at a college. But if you have somebody who is humble, even an individual sport person. Look at all the students or the people that you've mentored along the way. Would you say it's easier to coach someone who may not have the technical ability in their positions, whether it's a, te- a team sport or an individual sport, but is humble versus someone who may be technically savvy, but also very proud? Yes. If someone comes to me and says, coach, how do I get better? I know I can make that guy better. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, my freshman year in high school, I was um, a kid who never played sports. I was in a wheelchair earlier in my life and, uh, and in and out. And I, I was swimming, and, and, and Nancy's dad was my coach. My first race was a 100-yard freestyle. <laughs> it's four laps of the pool. I had two laps done, and everyone else was out. And I can remember thinking again that I was no good, that I was just this fat little kid that couldn't do anything. But then as I took a breath, and I was actually crying while I swam because the coach said you had to finish. And I, I looked up, and my brother and my coach got in between me and that crowd, mm-hmm. and they were cheering for me. I would have done anything for them the next four years. Mm-hmm. Um, I went myself for you to be undefeated in swimming. It's a matter of understanding where you're at. I was overweight. I wasn't a good athlete. But those around me that really knew, they, they spent the time believing in what I was. And they let me lose, but they let me lose with dignity. And they allowed me to then to spread my wings and continue to learn. And they did that. They gave me the chance, and I appreciate that. I think being humble is understanding you're part of a bigger system than yourself. Yeah. And, and when you understand that, 
you begin to live in a way where you're not the system, you're part of the system. And you understand who's in charge of it, and ultimately God is. And if our listeners are struggling with their relationship with God, that's step one. Please go to uh, hopenet360.com, talk to a live coach. There's no way to make it unless your relationship with God is the way it should be. Thank you so much, Jeff and Nancy, for making the trek all the way up and being on the show with us tonight. It's been a lot of fun having you on there. You can check out their website and find out how Jeff Jr. and Nancy Jr. are doing on their pursuits to become Olympic athletes at TeamSweaterPelts.com. That link is on our show notes at HopeNet360.com as well. So for all of us here on the show, thanks so much for joining us on the show this week. We'll see you guys online next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 